Hello, my name is Sebastian Castro Nicolescu, and I will be having a conversation with Dan Rosensweet for the New York City Trans Oral History Project in collaboration with the New York Public Library's Community Oral History Project. This is an oral history project centered on the experiences of trans identifying people. It is June 27th, and this is June 27, 2018, and this is being recorded at the New York Public Library offices. Hi, Dan. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm okay. <laughs> um, so why don't we start by tell by you um, telling me how we got in touch and how you came to find out about the Trans Oral History Project? Sure. Well, so um, my fabulous mother actually was the one who told me about this project. Um, I came out to her as... Uh, trans back in November, it went okay. okay. And so we've, but, but she's really been like coming through in the clutch for me, like really like, like reading and like educating herself. And I'm like super, super lucky. And she went to an event at the Brooklyn Museum where Michelle was speaking. Um, mm-hmm. Michelle O'Brien. Yeah. Yes. Uh, was speaking and mentioned this project. And I had just finished my, we call it a senior project, like a capstone or my undergraduate thesis at SUNY Purchase, which was of a very similar nature to exactly what the Trans Oral History Project is doing. And I was like, incredible. Like, <laughs> let's 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 make this happen. So like literally the moment, well, not the moment she told me because it was like 11 o'clock at night and I was like, I need to have tact. But like the next day I emailed Michelle and I was like, I just a lot of exclamation points. I just sent her like 15 <laughs> exclamation points in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's basically how I found out about the project. And then I went to, um, this past week, this past two weeks, I went to the talk on, um, trans women of color or trans people of color in sex work. Um, and, um, met you there and Mm -hmm. met, officially met Michelle there and had an amazing, like enlightening experience Mm -hmm. at that talk. And um, as if I weren't invigorated enough to be a part of this project, like I so am now, and I'm so honored to be like talking to you now, you know? Yeah. Um, incredible. And I'm so excited to be talking to you. Um, so maybe let's start with where were you born? Sure. So I was born at Methodist Hospital in Park Slope, Brooklyn, New York, and I was raised in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn, and now... When I was eight years old, my family moved to Marine Park, and that's where that is the family home that is currently where I'm residing. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah. So I guess short answer is Sheepshead Bay, okay. Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah. And so, and what were your parents kind of doing at the time of your birth? Or? Sure. So, like, just a couple of years. Okay. So, just a couple of years before I was born, my father. So he's a 20 year military veteran, and. Okay. Around the time I was born, he finished his time in the military mm-hmm. and opened a business with my mother and had gone bankrupt a year or two before I was born. So oh, off wow. to a good start. Okay. Um, and they, um, but they, they had me in spite of that and, um, which I'm ultimately thankful for. And um, <laughs> that was what was going on. It was 1995. Um, not the 90s were happening. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, I, I, I'm sure there was, I, I, I am completely drawing a blank at this point to remember what the most popular song was the month I was born, <laughs> but, I, you know, it was a song. Yeah, 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 right, like, 
in smack in the middle of the 90s. Exactly. So, like, that was, I mean, I'm sure it was an amazing song with that in mind. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So, um, based on that and kind of how was it growing up having had um, your parents' business go bankrupt just two years before you were born? I didn't really know about it. Um, Like, I I wasn't really aware that it happened two two years, I think, before. So they had enough time to recover. And, like, I wouldn't have, I didn't know that that had happened. I mean, obviously, they wouldn't say to their infant baby, like, hey, we we went bankrupt (laughs) recently. Like, so, but they provided for me extremely, like, considering that happened, like, Mm -hmm. very, very well. Like, Mm -hmm. I, and I didn't know until, like, probably I was, like, even past 13 okay like that that had happened because that's how well they were able to like recover and i'm still very unclear as to how they were able to recover so well maybe there's some shady business going on there that i don't even (laughs) want to know about but like and that's totally a joke i doubt there was maybe uh, we're not even gonna get into it but like they they really like were able to like provide and and i'm i'm ostensibly an only child so like Mm -hmm. they were able to provide um what I actually, well, I say ostensibly because I also didn't know until I was five or six that I had a half sister who they had been. Oh wow! Um, also, sort of helping to care for. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know about that either. So, like, there was a lot of financial <laughs> business going on that I had literally no idea about. Huh. But I was ostensibly an only child, and they were like, they were like, we we can make this work. So, <laughs> so they did, and um, I, you know, I, I I have nothing to complain about, mm-hmm. really, as far as that's concerned. I went to a lovely preschool a bank a bank street preschool <laughs> in uh in park slope so like i was you know i was like none the wiser okay okay um and so then how did maybe those realizations affect the process of like getting to know your family and growing up yeah i guess you know it's like one of those things where it's like um i don't know i, I you know i've never even put that much thought into it because that's how little i felt it really impacted things i mean apparently like like, my dad had put in a lot of time. My dad was a major in the Army. He was a Green Beret in Vietnam. So he, like, wow. really put in time in the military and, like, really did well for himself. And, like, um, through doing that. But that was all very much gone by the time I was born. Like, everything he had built from that had sort of gone away. So um, I maybe I think... So I, I mentioned to you before this interview started. I don't know if we, if we want to create this world of the interview. But before <laughs> the interview started, I mentioned that I come from an environment of fear. Yeah. And I yeah. think that that is kind of where that probably stems from in a large way. Okay. Um, and being from an environment of fear certainly, like, affects, I think, as a like a queer person, like, affects you a lot. And mm-hmm. even if the fear is not directed at you, even if it's not used against you, mm-hmm. because it because I, I'm not going to say it has been, because for the most part, things have been good. They haven't been perfect, but they've been... I'm very lucky for the, my parents to have been the way that they are with me now. But I think that, like it took me maybe longer than it might have otherwise to like come to grips with myself mm-hmm. due to the fact that there was so much like anxiety and fear. Mm-hmm. And my father to this day is a very difficult talking to me about anything that doesn't revolve around money. Okay. And when I was like, even when I was like 10 or 11 years old, he was telling me that um, like whatever I would tell him I wanted to do, if I wanted to be like a paleontologist, well, he'd be like, well, you know, you need a backup plan. You know, mm-hmm. like, like it, it, like it was like that, not to say that that's a weird thing, not to say that's like a unique thing, but it, but it, there was, there, the anxiety was there. And my mother, um, I've learned more and more recently had a very difficult childhood, like a very traumatic childhood, which I have only recently learned about. So the, the, I think there's just this fear mm-hmm. that was like, um, building up and I am a very fearful person, which makes this process for me, this process of like coming to terms with like who I am as a queer person, as a trans person, like very difficult because mm-hmm. like fear is such like a, 
I mean, it stunts anybody in anything, but certainly here it like, um, when, when I'm given like solid evidence that I should be afraid and then I'm already afraid for abstract reasons that I can't even properly access. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that is how like sort of my childhood is manifested in in the context of this conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't mean to be too like vague and like heady (laughs) about it, but I think like that's kind of where my head's at about it right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so then maybe in kind of talking about fear and the, environment that it does create um if you're comfortable maybe in the context of that could you talk a bit more about um coming to terms with your queerness or sure the ways in which that may be manifested yeah that's that's that now that's a that was a process (laughs) well so so i was already um a very okay so i was a very overweight child like like very very heavy and i was mercilessly teased and bullied about it Mm -hmm. um and I bring those two things together because of course now I'm dealing with like my connection to my body. You know what I mean? What does that mean? Mm -hmm. I think back like, okay, like of course, like when I watch like interviews with trans folks or like, you know, any narrative that sort of looks at a trans individual, um, there's always the question of like, well, when did you figure it out? Or like, what were the things that led you to realizing that you were a trans person? And, um, that those waters are a little muddy for me because I was always uncomfortable with my body mm. very like and, and, and it was it, it faced me constantly because like I was always told my body wasn't right you know what I mean yeah. being so overweight and like um so like from basically the time when I entered school even even at the preschool I was at which was a pretty like like the the, the classroom I was in was literally called the rainbow room and the other room was <laughs> called the bear room so you have oh, to understand wow. this is like a very yeah. like open-minded preschool environment it was amazing I'm very lucky <laughs> to have gone there but even in that there was still like body shaming which of course yeah. is, is a buzzword to that I'm applying to three-year-olds but it was there you know what I yeah. mean so so like um but I remember um as early as as being in preschool that and and of course I mean they I mean you would imagine that people running a preschool with the rainbow room and the bear room, they were open to me, like, wearing dresses and, like, doing that. And it was kind of a thing where, it was, like, it wasn't really scorned at all. Like, they were just, like, do your thing. I remember one day my parents came for, like, a, a parent-teacher meeting. Mm-hmm. And I went to, like, put on a dress because that's what I, I guess, had taken to doing at preschool. Yeah. And I remember that's when my dad was like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that's, and like, that's, and I don't remember a lot of the other times I did that, but I know there were other times, but I remember that time, like very specifically, I remember I was in a corner of the room and that's mm-hmm. kind of like where I think the narrative starts for me and like, re- like for the first time sort of realizing that like, oh, that's, I guess that's not something I should be doing. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, like moving down the line, like I would like, I spent a lot of time at my grandmother's house because both my parents worked. Um, and my grandmother, like, like I was just always like playing with her shoes and playing with her clothes and like this and that. And, um, and, but it, and it's, it's sort of interesting because since I sort of did come from like, like I went to this preschool, you know what I mean? I like, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother and also my aunt and my uncle Mm -hmm. who were very like open-minded, like liberal progressive people. Mm -hmm. Um, and my, um, my aunt and uncle spent a lot of time with like, there were queer folks around, you know what I mean? Like in my childhood, but there was this interesting dichotomy of me being like, well, on the one hand, like, like I'm seeing this and I'm, I, and, it, and it, this feels like a natural part of my life. But on the other hand, like I'm getting 
my my father's sort of military mm. background and military values telling me that it's not you know what i mean and sort of connecting that to that to my identity didn't sort of come until i was in middle school mm. when i came out as gay yeah uh, you know so i came out as gay in middle school not to many people but just to like a couple of people and um i came out as gay because i was like well i'm i know i'm different <laughs> I don't think I'm gay, mm. but this is where the language exists right now in yeah. 2006. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was like, this is as far as my language could really take me right now. So you were 11 at the time? Yeah. Oh, maybe or, probably 12 or 13. Okay. Probably okay. 12 or 13. Yeah. Um, because, well, I was attracted to male bodies, but yeah. I also knew I was attracted to female bodies and mm-hmm. female people and male people. Mm-hmm. I knew that, but like, you know, the idea of being pansexual was not certainly not for a 13 year old in in well specifically also i should say that like sheepshead bay and marine park where i live now these are two of like red like politically red areas in brooklyn mm-hmm. so certainly for like and and um certainly at the time like the idea of being pansexual was not something the bisexual was hardly even talking like you were gay or you were straight you know yeah. it's kind of like that was the binary and then the idea that you would feel like you were not the gender you were assigned at birth was literally not something that was part of the lexicon until YouTube came out, which mm-hmm. I'm sure for like millennial queer people is like how many times have we said, and then YouTube happened. Like that's like, yeah. that's an important thing. And I watched like every single, what is her name? Um, Katie Keurig, I think it was mm-hmm. interview with like trans children. Oh, okay. Like, I don't, I don't remember if it, if it was Katie Keurig, but there was this whole, like there was so many like hour long, like 60 minutes and all these different like news shows, like um, specials on, trans youth and like i never watched anything about gay folks not because i didn't care i cared a lot and i remember i once talked one of my fellow like i went to a day camp i talked one of my fellow campers out of being homophobic which is still a win for me like i'm still riding that wave yeah yeah. um but like but like i didn't i wasn't watching stuff about gay culture i was watching things about trans culture and trans culture of course at this time was like there wasn't really a trans culture you know what i mean it's not like this was something like kids were talking about at school like how i think they are now I don't know. I, I hear my kids talking about it at camp. So, like, mm. like I think they're having a conversation about it now. We talked about pronouns the other day. So, like, there's, like, yeah, which was, I could have gone better, but we're okay. working on it. But um, but it wasn't happening then. And, and, like, at the same time, like, I was constantly, like, taking my mother's clothes and, like, doing all this. And, but I was, when I was watching these interviews on YouTube. And, but I was led to believe, because, of course, when you're in a very masculine environment, um, especially right when the internet's hitting, mm. like there was this thing where I was like, oh, I have like what I, I heard the term fetish, you know what I mean? And like, oh, what I have is fetish behavior. Mm-hmm. Even like like at 12 or 13, which is a weird thing to start thinking about yourself at 12 yeah. or 13, you know what I mean? Like I have a fetish, Yeah. you know what I mean? Like I, I, I don't, <laughs> I'm not gonna t- pretend I know about the relationship between like, like young, like pre- and the adolescent people to like fetishes. Mm-hmm. I, I can't like speak to that. I don't know, but it just like upon my reflecting on it, it seems weird to mm-hmm. have at the time have been like, well, I guess I, I'm just like, I guess I just have a fetish. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, uh, like, cause that's sort of how it was presented to me because when I looked up, when I sort of cross referenced mm-hmm. these feelings I had and these things I was watching with the internet and what I could ask people on there and what forums I could read, that was the conclusion that yeah. you were a cross-dresser with a fetish. Huh. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and, and especially considering that like, I was also like, like I, I'd come out as gay, but I knew primarily I was like still more attracted to women. Generally mm-hmm. I was confused. You yeah. know what I mean? Because I was like, 
well, I can't be what these kids are, like these trans kids are. They're, they say they're attracted to the opposite gender. They say they're heterosexual people. Mm. I was like, I like, I can't be a trans person and be attracted to the same gender I identify as. Yeah. That's, that's nuts. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and I remember one time, I, I think I was like, I was around the same age, like maybe I was a year later mm-hmm. and I saw a video of like a trans man who was gay. Mm-hmm. I remember I would talk to my mom. I was like, mom, like you'll <laughs> never guess what I just saw. Yeah. I, I saw a video about a, a trans man who likes men. I was like, can you believe that? And she was like, oh, that's interesting. Like very much like, let's, let's, let's br- like get that shit out of here. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'm allowed to say um, the, the shit word, yeah. but, but um, that was more or less the response. And then the last thing I'll say about this in terms of like, actually, okay, two more things. So, okay. so in high school, I began struggling with an eating disorder because like, of course, after like years of like being super overweight, it was like hard on me, but also like, I guess, unfortunately the image of the androgynous body is a thin one. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's valid, but that is what the, what media representation of the like quote unquote androgynous body would like us to believe that it is Mm -hmm. the thin body. I did not have a thin body. I also do not have, a hairless body. I also do not have a small body. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, um, at my heaviest that I ever was in my life, I think I was like 240 pounds, 250 pounds. Mm-hmm. I, um, brought myself down to 120 pounds. Um, and, um, it, and it got, it, and of course, like, and he, yet again, gender is a part, very much a part of this because if you're a male bodied person with an eating disorder, people just think you're just taking care of yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially if, like, if you were already heavy and mm-hmm. then have an eating disorder, people are just like, well, good for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're, like, and, and not to say it's harder. That's not what I'm saying at all. But the experience of being a male-bodied person with an eating disorder is interesting because that's not what anybody calls it and no one's concerned. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? They're like, well, he has a handle on it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That was very much the perception of what I was going through until one day um, like an acquaintance of mine in high school who of course I will not name, but an acquaintance mm-hmm. of mine in high school, um, who had had to leave to deal with eating issues. Um, she didn't talk to me directly, but through a friend of mine, he told me that she had expressed concern. She was like, mm-hmm. she was like, I see what's happening, and she was like, Are you okay? Through this person, we didn't know each other very well, so I think she didn't want to like overstep. Yeah, I guess is what it was. Um, but my like and my of course, understanding back then of like appropriate boundaries and like talking about like eating disorder. I I wouldn't even call it an eating disorder at the time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that's not what I thought it was. I never thought it was that. I didn't realize it was that until I got to college and like we had open discourse about these kind of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But she expressed that concern. I think I just kind of laughed it off. I was like, no, like, Hmm. but I remember um, I was just like angry all the time. I was like, I was like, um, I, I was sick. Like I was sick. Um, and, and even to this day, my mom doesn't really acknowledge that that was, seemed to have been what was going on. Um, I think because like, that's a hard thing, like to sort of like, I understand it, you know what I mean? But, um, but, um, the only time I, but I was happy because, and my partner at the time could certainly attest to this. Like I was like, I, I would tell my partner at the time, like I can finally like, like I can dress the way I want to. I would wear anything. And like when we were together, like in private, like I would like 
present feminine. Mm-hmm. And then when I went to school, I would just wear literally anything like tops that like children's t-shirts, <laughs> like short shorts, like jean, like jean cutoff shorts. Like my dad threw away like two pairs of jean cutoff shorts that I'd gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I, but I was just like, I was like, I can be and dress however I want. And of course, also at the same time, started to get a lot of like sexual attention that I'd never gotten before. So this is where like my gender really started to like, and my sexuality really started to like freak me out and become overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And basically, the last thing I want to say about it, because I don't want to, this I mean, this conversation could literally go forever. Well, not forever. I can do another <laughs> probably half an hour. But yeah, yeah. Um, SUNY Purchase is a liberal arts public college in New York, in Westchester County, New York. Um, that is incredibly queer friendly and incredibly positive. And, um, that environment helped me so much, Mm. um, and helped me deal with like my eating and helped me like, um, start building a healthy relationship with my gender identity and like put me on the path where I am today. So like, of course, there was a lot involved in that, but like that's pretty much my trajectory. I I, I don't mean to prattle on about it, uh, you know, but like that's, I guess, because like I'm still trying to understand it. Yeah. And I guess like my bottom line, not my bottom line, but like my, my two of like what's interesting to me is like for me as like a trans person who like is like not heterosexual, you know what I mean? Or not like, I, I'm not going to say everyone identifies that way, but like I'm, I'm certainly not. Like, I'm a pansexual person, mm-hmm. and I do have a lot of, like, interests that would be probably traditionally defined as, like, male. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do have a very, like, masculine body. Um, so all those things made it difficult to, like, sort of figure out where I was at. You know what I mean? But so um, that it took me a while mm-hmm. for, for, like, for many reasons, but those certainly didn't help, you know? So I guess what I'm hearing in that last comment is you're kind of, like, um butting up against like two very rigid binaries a kind Mm -hmm. of like binary transness and then also like the gay straight binary and so i'm wondering at what point knowing now the ways in which you're kind of like approaching it um at what point were you starting to develop a vocabulary for that or what were the things that you encountered that helped you develop that vocabulary yeah um i like I said, being a purchase like is sort of what opened me up to all of this. I, I I'm not gonna say I never would have figured it out if I haven't gotten hadn't mm-hmm. gotten the purchase. I'm sure that's not true, but I think there would have been a lot of abstract feelings that I wouldn't have really been able to place mm-hmm. for a while had I not gone there. Yeah. Um. Because like, because like, and even like, in my like, wanting to like my interest in HRT, it's like, I'm there's a part of me that's like, is this, am I sure this is what I want? Which I'm sure many people go through. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing where it's like, I, um, I have a lot of complex feelings about my gender and how it manifests itself and things that confuse me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like the, the binary is super confusing to me. And also, of course, the fact that like, I don't even, I don't believe in it to begin with. You know yeah. what I mean? So then um, I'm like, but then am I, like, and then there's the thing where like, am I adhering to it by like wanting to, take hormones like am I now giving into the binary you know what I mean like mm-hmm. this like just these questions and then it, but it's like um I my gender therapist who's wonderful mm-hmm. um said this amazing thing when I was talking to her about this where she was like she she had a professor who had he he ran into a wall and he ran into a wall and then he got up and he said so that wall is socially constructed <laughs> but that doesn't mean 
it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like um, that's kind of that that idea right there mm-hmm. has been very helpful for me recently because it's like I can like I can like have this like queer theory like gender theory battle in my head all day. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's mm-hmm. like at the end of the day like. Like I, like I can rue social constructions until the cows come home, <laughs> but it's not going to make my life condition any better. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, given the state of things as they are, like, that's where I need to kind of like, and this is sort of stuff that I, that Purchase kind of taught me. Mm-hmm. And I think the very first time that I really started thinking seriously about this was at a, um, a fourth meeting. So feminists organizing real transformation here. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so basically... Purchase Feminist Club, which I was the treasurer of my last year at Purchase, um, okay. helped me a lot. Um, and I remember at one of my first meetings when they, everyone was going around and sharing their pronouns, um, one um, uh, so, someone I knew, like like an acquaintance of mine, was basically like, "Yeah, my pronouns are she/her, whatever that means." And I was like, "Oh, like that that unlocks a lot of interesting thoughts for me." You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like that, like I was like, "That's that's super interesting." Um, I, I like I know that seems like a small thing, but like that like really spoke to me when she said that because like I had never thought of it that way. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I was I, I had never and like I um was like presenting feminine and using male like he him pronouns and I was like, Oh we uh, uh like you know, I was just <laughs> like I was just like figuring a lot of stuff out. Ultimately I realized I what that wasn't comfortable for me. But it just like just the idea that like there are these structures and there are these labels over which I had no control. Like learning this from people who like had acquired that sort of information from wherever they acquired it and then shared it with me. And then I processed it and was like, and it was super helpful. And like being in an environment like that made me feel like I could present how I wanted to. And like, I could work this stuff out and like doing that actively and living that way. And like being able to go to class and like, presenting feminine with makeup and like a wig mm-hmm. and like just like living my my fullest life you know mm-hmm. what I mean just like was like oh okay like I can actually like like it like it it it, it is it like breaks my heart that like not everyone can have access to an environment like that yeah. because like that was so integral to me being able to figure this out mm-hmm. like I think if I hadn't been able to actively like sort through myself in this way I wouldn't have been able to like like put the pieces together as like quickly as I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was like basically like yeah, it, it's specifically SUNY purchase for me, but just in general like having a supportive environment, yeah. which like I mean it goes without saying that that's important. Um, but but I can't even like express how important it was for me. Yeah. So like I guess I'm wondering you're so you've like really beautifully spoken about the kind of like. Um, interpersonal environment you're within that helped with sure, that, right? Yeah. Um, and so I'm wondering if maybe there are things outside of that or like being um, like you mentioned kind of like YouTube and that being mm-hmm. a structure that um, was in existence in the kind of like early stages of a kind of vocabulary and so I was wondering if at this point there is a kind of like comparable thing going on or if there were a certain kind of um pop culture things or anything Mm -hmm. that was also informing oh hell yeah (laughs) like i like uh media and like pop culture has been like super super like um illuminating for me Mm -hmm. like what i tend towards yeah okay first of all i would like to say and this isn't even necessarily 
this is maybe slightly tangential, but my first favorite song ever when I was like three or four years old was uh, Do You Believe in Life After Love by Cher, which like kind of, I think, set the tone for my whole life. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, like that right there. But then moving on, like, um, like I always like with anything with like cartoons, like with anything I watched ever the episodes i always loved the most were where gender was challenged always like i remember like the 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 example my go-to example in my brain when i'm doing this interview in my brain you know what i mean <laughs> and i'm asked this like there was a the spongebob episode with rockabye bivalve where spongebob and patrick adopt a little like mollusk uh-huh. and like like spongebob is the mollusk's mother mm-hmm. that was always my favorite spongebob mm-hmm. episode because i was like oh my god this is like amazing like before i even like was applying it to myself really it was just like oh my god like this is so interesting like i love this like i loved that episode loved it loved it loved it then like i also loved powerpuff girls and sailor moon like i like that. like i'm not like i think anime and manga are awesome i'm not personally like very like i don't watch or read a lot of them but sailor moon was like the only one i ever kept up with when i was a kid mm-hmm. Which, again, like, you start putting, you start laying things out like this, and you're like, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, um, I, like, I, like, yeah, any, like, I, I remember there, there was this movie I watched that no one I've ever talked to has heard of. It's called Xerophilia. Have you ever heard of this? No, I haven't. Um, it, uh, it's this wild <laughs> movie about, um, they find, like, in this person, I'm sure if I watched it now, I would hate it, but, like, yeah. when I was, like, 14 or whatever when i watched it i sought it out like i didn't usually seek out movies and again environment of fear i my mother like put the fear of god in me about illegally downloading any media (laughs) so i didn't do that so like i like but i i don't know how i found this movie i sought it out and it was basically a movie about like this this um uh uh amab individual Uh has a has a z chromosome and the Z chromosome allows this person to completely change genders, like completely, like, uh-huh. like, like, change their sex. Yeah. Like, completely. And I was like, and this movie, like, rocked my world. I was like, this is wild. And I remember thinking at the time, I was like, if I could do that, I totally would. You know what I mean? Like, like, when I was like 13 or 14 or whatever, and just watching it. But like, for some reason, that was like a weird passive thought. I was like, yeah, I would totally do that. You know what I mean? Which <laughs> like, was like, that's a pretty significant thing to think about. You know yeah. what I mean? But yeah. like... Yeah, that, like, I saw that movie out. And then, of course, like, I started watching RuPaul's Drag Race in season two. Mm-hmm. And, like, that, that was... was what year? About... Uh, <laughs> 10? 2010? Okay. No, maybe yeah, earlier think... than that. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, but, like, late 2000s. Yeah, yeah late okay. 2000s. Um, And, of course, that, like, I... Rem- oh, God, I still remember seeing, like, the, the promo for that. Or, like, mm-hmm. And I was, like... Like, uh, okay, you, I know that you cannot see what I just did. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just, my mouth was agape. That's yeah. what I mean. Like, I was like, I was like, I couldn't believe it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I was like, this is wild. Like, I was so excited, you know? And like, um, that, and like, I remember like, I loved like the movie Tu Wong Fu. I loved mm-hmm. uh, Priscilla. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, like, I also loved things like wrestling. But, of course, like, as anybody, I'm sure anybody listening to this or, like, if you don't know, wrestling's drag. This is yeah. this is just true. Like, <laughs> and so now, like, that, and, of course, even things like Sailor Moon and Powerpuff Girls, like, we're subverting the trope of, like, the male superhero. Like, let's, yeah. like, we're reacting to this. Like, like I was literally just listening to a podcast about Sailor Moon, too. It's like, well, here's this, like, a, what a wonderful example of, like, 
a, a female group of superheroes. And I was like, that's super exciting. I love Sailor Uranus. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like all like, it, and Sailor Uranus just for context is like yeah. the one who, she, like in the manga, apparently, I didn't know this because I never read the manga, but they, when Sailor Uranus would speak, she would use like, like in Japanese, they have like um, masculine and feminine like speech, like similar yeah. to in Spanish. So like mm-hmm. she would use masculine speech when speaking huh. and she was always my favorite character in the anime. Yeah. And it's things like that, you know what I mean? And you, and you start taking stock of all this, like you're just going through the inventory of your life, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, like, like I love, I don't know. I thought like Hedwig changed my life when I saw it. Like, mm-hmm. um, and again, some of these things, like if I saw them now, I'd probably have an issue with, but like certainly yeah. at the time when I found them, very, very transformative. Um, Peaches is an artist who's always been very important to me or not always. That would be yeah. weird if I was like three months <laughs> old. I was like, I love Peaches. But like, yeah. um, for quite some time I've loved like an artist like Peaches. Um, God. Yeah. Like, and, but, but again, like, but the reason I've had sort of an internal weirdness is I'm like, I love all that stuff. But then at the same time, I love, I love video games and I love, <laughs> and I love, like, I have a weird, I have a, uh, a absolutely ridiculous, weird interest in like sea shanties. Like I just love like nautical culture, okay. like the culture of the sea, which is a deeply flawed culture. But like, I, I was super interested in that. And like, um, and you know, like not that any of these things should be sectioned off for anybody but like yeah. you know like high fantasy like if i was interested in that like i love tolkien you know what i mean and that's such like a male heavy narrative you know yeah. what i mean and it's and, and and then when i look back on it it's just like well you know like i like that's why i'm so delighted by finding people like patty harrison for instance like of course because when i was a kid i loved something like monty python but again group of men but like like to go back to what this project is doing, like where are the people who are not cisgendered men doing things like that? Because they're there. Yeah. But do I get to see them? No. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, and, um, like I, I, um, but, and that's not even the point. Like I should be able to like have a queer, like trans feminine identity and feel like I can like, I can, I can like consume whatever media I want. You know yeah. what I mean? Like w- within reason, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, but, um, yeah, I guess the, the point is that I've definitely seen a trend in the media I like, but also, like, I also really, at the same time, like, some very, like, traditionally masculine things, and then also force myself to try to be into some traditionally masculine stuff. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, this is, wait, one thing I, okay, this is, I, this isn't, like, a media thing I consumed, but when I was, like, 13 years old, 12 or 13 years old, and MySpace was a thing, Mm. um, uh, MySpace kids, Google it, so, um, (laughs) I made a MySpace profile with nothing on it okay. that was just a female profile. And her name was Amy Smith, which looking back, like, that's so funny because that's about the most generic name yeah. that you could ever hope to have. <laughs> and I, that profile is still knocking around out there somewhere. Amy Smith is still chilling on MySpace <laughs> with Tom, and that's it. You know uh-huh. what I mean? And, like, that... Um, I know that's not like a media thing I can do, but I just thought of that and I was like, that's like a super like weird and very specific like memory I have of doing that and being like super like, um, like excited about it when I did it, mm. but, and told, told no one, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I, I mean, know. were you talking to other people on MySpace through that profile? No, okay. it wasn't even that. I just wanted to have it and just I wanted like a presence. Yeah. And I just yeah. wanted to like be able, like, like almost like have, like I couldn't decorate my room the way I wanted to, but I could decorate a MySpace profile the way I wanted to. Huh. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like able to like have whatever like profile background I want with like whatever stuff on it I wanted. 
you know what I mean? So like that, I think it was kind of that, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's just a super specific thing that I, that I would be <laughs> remiss not to mention. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, um, the, the like queer stuff and also villains have mm-hmm. appealed to me, you know what I mean? And like, I mean, again, like I remember the first time this was really like brought to my attention was at a, well, this was actually at a meeting at the queer club at Sony Purchase, but like we were talking about villains in media and like their connection to queerness. And I was like, wow, like mind, <laughs> mind opened, you know what I mean? But like a lot of villains are queer, you know yeah. what I mean? And like, um, the, no accident, but like, you know, mm-hmm. I always found like villains pretty fascinating. I remember, uh, identifying heavily with the penguin in, um, Tim Burton's Batman. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> not that like that. And I mean, loving Catwoman too, but specifically mm-hmm. the penguin, just because he was like this person who like, hated his body and like yeah. was ostracized for that and then wanted to like you know just like eat fish and like throw umbrellas at people and i was like yeah i, I feel you honestly like <laughs> i feel you bite people's noses off i was like yeah me too yeah like you know what i mean like <laughs> um and more makeup so you know like the penguin's a queen that's what i'm saying yeah yeah um okay so first i guess like kind of pretty imminent to a lot of the things you were talking about and having had a conversation right before this um a lot of the like media things that were kind of like more explicitly queer were themselves like drag queens yes and so and you're you mentioned that you've done drag before yes and so i was wondering how that developed alongside but also in some ways maybe is different to the ways in which you're talking about gender oh for sure like i that's the thing. Like, I think it was kind of this thing where I was like, it's hard for me to like really come to terms with the trans feminine identity because I was like, no, because like clearly I'm just like a boy who likes boy things, but is also mm-hmm. into some like more, like things that are read as feminine and like queer things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that must be what it is. And then like drag sort of affirms that in a way because mm-hmm. you're like you can sort of like be maybe a a cisgendered man who is interested in these similar things. And I was like, I feel like that's what it is. And I had this idea that I was like, if I do drag, I'm going to sort it all out. I'm going to have it figured out. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to do drag and that's going to be it. And, um, because like, it's not like I was like super attracted to things that were like, or like super interested in things that were like, like, um, I don't know. Like, I don't know, like saying what things are feminine and what things are masculine. But certainly like, um, I don't know. Like, Maybe there's, like, shows that would be on a checklist of, like, what makes you a more feminine person to some people. And, like, maybe, like, I wasn't as interested in those. So I was like, well, that can't be it. You know what I mean? Because I'm living in this binary world. And, like, that's, like, I, there must be an explanation. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I was like, if I do drag, I'm just going to sort all this shit out. And that'll, like, totally, like, give me the answers to everything. And I did drag. And all I realized was that, um, like, that wasn't true. And I did not. Um, it, it was not the answer to everything. And in fact, um, I, the reason I think I was interested in, um, you know, at least male-bodied people who presented as feminine for so long was because ultimately that it was what I knew I was, but like not just on the performative level, but on like the level of identity. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, even to this day, it's like sometimes I'll see like, like if, like I don't compare myself much to like, female-bodied people or, like, cisgendered women mm-hmm. as much because I'm, like, I don't know. I think there's a level of self-deprecation there where I'm, like, well, because I, I can't because I'm, I can't achieve that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the, like because, like I said, like, I do 
have what I objectively know is like a very male body in a lot of ways. Do you know what I mean? And that's frustrating. Um, and it's like the kind of thing where I'm like, but if I see like a male bodied person who seems like they would have an easier time transitioning than I will, mm-hmm. or I would, that I get super jealous about that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, so I it's like that really kind of, you, know yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah. it's not like, like, it's not such standard women for me. It's like, yeah, when I see like, oh, you, you don't have a hair on your body. Mm-hmm. Oh, good for you. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like that kind of thing. So it's like, um, I think that's what it is. Like, it's like, I, I guess drag and its relationship to my gender identity for me is like, it's like, unfortunately, like I still in many ways see myself as a man. And that's, and I just, and, and I, and I do because it's brought to my attention literally constantly. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, I, I think on a certain level, like, you know, seeing my, seeing myself as, let's say, you know, men in a dress. I mean, I know men in a dress is like that, like that's such a, that's such a buzz term, but like Mm -hmm. sometimes that's just how I would see myself. You know what I mean? It's just like, and I'm like, that's all I can achieve. You know what I mean? And not to take away the power of a man being in a dress or a drag queen, like mm-hmm. doing what that what they do, because I love what drag artists do. Yeah, um, I love what drag artists do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But then it, there still is this thing where it's like, um, like when I um, would present feminine at college, mm-hmm. and like, again, this is a very positive environment. I'm not blaming anybody. Yeah, but when I would wear a dress out. Like, no matter how, like, drab or boring the dress was, mm-hmm. I would always get compliments on it. Mm-hmm. Always. And screaming compliments. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? And it's, like, and I think part of that maybe stems from drag culture. You know what I mean? Like, there's that super, like, enthusiastic, like, support, which is great. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's, like, well, in a weird way, you're also kind of acknowledging that, like, I'm not, I'm not just living my life. Like, I'm, I'm doing something that's, like, othered. Mm. And by because you would has like entertainment value exactly yeah. exactly because you if I, if if a cisgendered woman was wearing this exact same dress that I'm wearing there would be no fanfare about it mm-hmm. you know what I mean but I'm wearing it so it's like a it's like a show you know yeah. what I mean it's like exciting mm-hmm. you know what I mean but really I'm just like wearing what I feel like wearing today yeah you know what I mean so like so like I think drag is wonderful and it's like helps me realize so much but I think its relationship to like a, like uh, my identity at least is like complicated because it's like well i'm not my identity is not a drag queen yeah you know what i mean that's not that's not who i am mm-hmm. you know what i mean and like i and and even now like i don't particularly want to do drag anymore like i did it to and i figured out that no that's not really like i didn't want to do it because i wanted to like be a drag queen i did it because i wanted to be able to like feel validated in a feminine identity mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. so like I, and maybe that's true for a lot of people you know what i mean so maybe it's a great outlet in that way and it creates this issue where it's like well but but you know my gender is not drag queen. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Okay. And so, if you don't mind me backtracking a bit, just no, no. to get some details, um, how in what kind of spaces in which specific maybe clubs or like mm-hmm. types of um, performance nights were you doing drag? I didn't do it much. Okay. I didn't do it a lot because I kind of did it and I was like, this is a lot of work and I don't like, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it is like, yeah. the first time I ever did drag was in high school Okay. and I did it, I, I basically like was part of this like student driven showcase of like comedy mm. and I did drag for that mm-hmm. um, because obviously like deeply closeted trans person in high school doing drag for laughs you know, yeah. but it was an opportunity for me. And I, I but I was so excited. I, I remember like, I didn't like, 
And this was, of course, at the time where I was, like, super, like, super thin, like, really, really thin. So I remember, like, my costume teacher, who was a drag queen in high school, just, like, gave me some clothes. I didn't want to take them off, obviously. You know what I mean? Like, he he had heels that fit me because he also has very, very large feet. Mm -hmm. And he had this really cool, like, BDSM skirt and had this, like, (laughs) all this, like, amazing shit. And I was like, I... I, I'm I'm good. Like like the number was over, and the, they were like, "Dan, you can like, you can like take it off now." I was like, "I'm good. I'm just gonna chill for a minute." Like, you know what I mean? Um, and then obviously, like, Halloween was always an opportunity. But the first time I actually did a drag show was for my friend's senior project, um, and I performed as a persona. Well, okay, because again, like, um, I don't like the term fishy, and I don't agree mm-hmm. with it. But I also knew that I could never live up to that yeah. ideal of a queen. And so I went full comedy queen. I was named Clown with Glasses, <laughs> and I dressed in basically like a feminized clown suit, okay. um, like a fully femme, fully femme clown, clown mm-hmm. with a Q, um, <laughs> and um, basically lip-synced along to a song about um, having sex with literal flies and shit in a bowl. And that was like the first time I ever did drag. Um, and that was cool. Um and I was like, well, that was fun. But then I did my school's drag ball. Mm. And that's when I was kind of like, oh. High school or? College. Purchase. College. Purchase. I purchased. Okay. Uh, fall ball. Which is an amazing drag show. Okay. Um, like, And the year I did it, um, um, Milk and, oh my god, I'm so mad at myself. But another mm. queen from Drag Race were judging that year. Oh, wow. Which was super cool. They both gave me perfect scores. Very exciting. Damn. But, um, <gasps> but um, <laughs> it was amazing. I lip synced to like, I, okay, so I opened up lip syncing to the bagpipe part in Scotland the Brave and then um, also did like uh, um, a song by CL mm-hmm. I did um, uh, a song by Chicks on Speed I did a song by um, I, uh, there was a Madonna song there but I, I had a quote to fill you know what I mean yeah. so, um, <laughs> I did um, uh, Sleigh Bells mm-hmm. um, and the Dragon Tales theme song like it was really like okay. a, it was it, it was eclectic it was yeah. incredible I poured <laughs> a lot into this mix um uh-huh. And, um, but then I was like, no, that wasn't like, that didn't like, why am I excited right now? You know what I mean? Like when I did the performance and I was getting, getting ready for the performance was more fun for me than like doing the performance, Mm. just having that moment. You know what I mean? And after that, I like decided to take a performance art class where I was actually able to delve into the shit. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like, I think what really got me from like thinking about the shit to like doing something about the shit was my performance art class. Like having the opportunity to like talk about like very, very honestly and openly about not like and and ironically not in a very performative way just in a way that was like i can like yeah i like i i had this whole spoken word piece where i didn't really do anything except basically say like i would love to just like wear leggings and have a bun that kind of hangs messy on my head and like Mm -hmm. you know like forget to do my makeup one day and feel weird about it but then go do it later you know what i mean like just basic things like that and i was like oh like this is this is this is bigger than drag this is like Mm-hmm. And um, so the performance art class helps a lot, ironically, because that's technically performative. But the way my professor set up the class, it was not. Um, and like, um, like the drag was great. Like drag is fun. Drag is cool. I love drag culture. It's so fun to be a part of it. I love going to those shows. But it's like not really what I want to be doing. Um, and, and thankfully, there were things like I mentioned the feminist club and like yeah. this performance art class and like, like very like femme spaces um where i could like you know really work shit out and an incredible group of like friends 
who were also willing to talk to me about this stuff and like mm-hmm. helped me feel comfortable like not using male pronouns anymore and like would honor my pronouns when like most people won't you know yeah. what I mean like and 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 we'll do it to the point where they will be like militantly correcting other people and I so appreciate that you know what yeah. I mean because I still to this day can't do that for myself yeah. you know what I mean and I get mad at people for not knowing and I can't blame them but it's mm-hmm. like I have a really hard time correcting people because 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 culture of fear and like yeah. I don't want to be in a position on anybody you know mm-hmm. what I mean but um yeah it's amazing to have friends like that I'm so lucky mm-hmm. you know and so I guess in talking about that, maybe we can start to talk a bit um, about your senior project. Sure. And, like yeah. how that related to both kind of like your burgeoning interest in performance, but mm-hmm. also kind of like being within a community of people. Yeah, for sure. Um, my senior pro- Okay, well, so my when I went into college, my major was script writing. Okay. Um, like, and specifically, I wanted to focus on television writing. And I was like, I'm going to be a TV writer. And that's what I'm going to be. <laughs> and then, um, which is like also like, I don't know, kind of a lofty thing to say, but I was like, but that's what it's going to be. And then yeah. like, I did it. I like, and the program is great. It wasn't for me. And it, ju- it like, it just wasn't capturing me the way I wanted to be captured. So I changed my major to something that incorporated script writing along with media theory and media technology. I found a lot of roots to explore like queer theory and like anthropology and cool things like that in the process. But even up till the very last moment, up until I was walking across the stage of graduation, I still didn't know what the hell I was doing at college (laughs) at all so my senior project frankly ended up being kind of a mess I'm proud of it because of like what I sort of the seeds I planted is it a full piece no but like I'm proud of what I did and what I've set myself up to do yeah and basically like the the centerpiece of the project I originally was going to have the centerpiece be my interviews and then the supplement sort of be a creative like project and it originally was going to be a performance but I was like I decided I like I couldn't get the interviews I wanted and I knew it wouldn't be dense enough and I was like I need something more so I decided instead of doing a performance to write a script and the script was actually based on a nightmare I had <laughs> shortly after what was it I think it was actually after Danica Rome won the what what did she win in was it Virginia Do you yeah. Remember oh yeah 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 um shortly after that happened mm-hmm. I had this nightmare about um in the 2020 presidential election or in the wake of that that there's a civil war basically and like the coasts split off and Uh then the military takes control of the coasts and i had this nightmare that i was like three months into transition like had started taking hormones and then was forced to stop Hmm. because um like i don't know like i couldn't get access to that medication anymore you know what i mean and um and so that's the pilot I ended up writing for my senior project, like with basically that nightmare sort of realized in like a script. That's what I ended up doing as my centerpiece. My yeah. interviews ended up unfortunately having to be supplements. I wanted them to be like the main, yeah, the, the main dish, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But unfortunately there wasn't enough time or enough like that I could do with them and I wasn't able to get enough of them. But I spoke to um, the friend I mentioned before who she is a incredibly thoughtful and wonderful and hilarious person who I love and her name is Evelyn Richardson and she is um like a burgeoning playwright and not an author mm-hmm. and then I spoke to um my friend Vuk who is a trans man in the process of producing his own film um wow. and like w- like real like with producers who bought his script mm-hmm. and that was great like talking to them was 
awesome. And of course, since I knew both of them, it was like super cool. And we all knew each other pre-transition, which yeah. is also interesting because it provides an interesting perspective. Or even pre pre being out, forget pre-transition. Yeah. Um, and um, and that was that was really good. And basically, what I'm saying is like, was it everything I wanted to be it to be and more? No, it was not what I wanted to be and less. But um, I also am intending now to and hope that I can because my original goal was to talk to comedians that's or like yeah. nightlife entertainers that's what I wanted to do mm-hmm. um who were trans who were trans yeah. yes 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 um and like I even had this lofty idea, idea that somehow I was also going to get to speak to Eddie Izzard who was also <laughs> extremely like influential for me um mm-hmm. but of course that did not happen um Eddie's busy you know yeah. what I mean yeah. like um and um so basically my idea now is like I would love to continue like trying to do interviews with trans like comedians and nightlife performers and like comp- like put that into some sort of like book form that could be uh you know like consumed by maybe young people with similar inclinations to me who are like where are the people that that I like you know if you're if you're like living in Iowa or something like I want you to be able to have access to like a piece of literature that like you can read it and be like, there are people, there are people, you know what I mean? Doing it, succeeding, yeah. living, loving, doing it. And then like, I also am, would like to start sort of like a online community where like, you know, comedically inclined trans and like uh, genderqueer folks mm-hmm. can like have a space to like talk to each other and recommend shows and like meet up and like, like, show each other their material, things like that. Like, so, and again, like this goes why to why this project is so important to me. Like there's a community. Mm. And even though like sometimes it feels very like, um, like uh, disconnected when I'm like trying to access people on Reddit or something like that, like here's very real examples of community. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean by planting the seeds. Like this is the stuff like through doing my work at purchase, like I can continue now. And my, advisor who was incredible mm-hmm. has offered to support me and they're a queer like gender queer individual as well and also like a great person to know because they're like living a very successful and illustrious and amazing life as a like gender queer uh professor of color and publishing some like super important amazing things hmm. you know so like it ultimately like basically the way i framed it in do you mind just mentioning their name oh yes i'm so sorry look at what i'm look at myself um shaka mcglotton okay shaka mcglotton everyone should look up shaka okay they're incredible and um um what is it oh um no i forgot what i was gonna say okay yeah but no 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 please don't be don't be at all because i would rather you all know who shaka is um (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I just like would like to provide the connectivity, mm-hmm. hopefully, in some capacity. Um, and yeah, it's the kind of thing where it's like I realized that I can't like I'm having a hard time like figuring out, I guess, like what even I want to be doing, really, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like I'm like, I don't know if I could start my life until I like. Like, <laughs> you know, like get over to like the clinic and start working on that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's like, you know, and, and, and there, there, there's a question I ask in my, in my senior project where I'm like, do I, am I writing this because I want to, or because I feel like I have to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And it's very much a thing where it's like, well, it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Because I, whether I want to or don't, like I need to do this because I won't be able to live my life if I don't, yeah. you know what I mean? 
it's very much that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I guess we could just start thinking about, um, if you had anything left that you wanted to say or anything that I maybe missed. I don't know. It's, um, you know, I don't know. And this is like more like, I guess it's like, it's a journey, you know? And like, I, I, I spoke to a trans friend of mine who was like super helpful when I was like, I was like, you know, cause I, not that I have been very afraid to like take the steps I feel like I need to take to like go about what I'm doing, like in the most like healthy way for me. Yeah. Like I haven't, like I, I went to a gender like group therapy in college, but I haven't pursued it outside of college. Mm -hmm. And it's something I'd like to do because there are questions I have that like, I am trying to answer by myself, which is literally never going to work. Mm -hmm. But uh, like, I was like, I am doubting myself so hard. I was talking to a trans friend of mine who is medically transitioning. And he was mm -hmm. like, he was like, listen, like I started taking hormones, went off for 10 months because I wasn't ready, mm -hmm. went back on. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The reason I'm mentioning that is because like hearing that like helped me a lot mm. because like, I don't, I don't have to feel like transitioning is like a linear thing. Yeah. I can feel like it goes in any and all directions. It's not beginning, middle, end. Mm -hmm. I don't, I think the queer experience like, or queer, queer to me rejects beginning, middle, end. You yeah. know what I mean? It rejects the three-act structure. It, reje it rejects structure. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? That's what I love about it. I can include that in my experiences, like being someone who's very early in, in like beginning to transition and whatever that means, you know what I mean? Like, but I know that like, I am like, I'm like <laughs> not the uh, bar mitzvah man that I was, you know, set up to be, you yeah. know what I mean? That's not who I am. I can say that with confidence. Mm -hmm. Where I go from there is like, um, I'm work I'm figuring it out but just to know that like to speak to another trans person and have that person say like yeah like I didn't know either you know mm -hmm. what I mean like I was it was hard for me to figure out too and acknowledge the fact that like this is like the uh, heavy stuff that is not given much support mm -hmm. was like so helpful to me you know um and also just to be someone who like doesn't that the this is not to sound judgmental at all like mm -hmm. if a trans person wants to sort of like live their life in perhaps what you'd call a more binary way mm -hmm. and like like that's wonderful i am so for that and i hope they feel validated and loved and like are living the best life they can possibly live it's just not who i am yeah. you know what i mean and that's usually the narrative i see you yeah. know what i mean and that's i think usually the narrative most of us see and so to feel outside of that is sort of anxiety inducing, you know what I mean? Because it's like, it's like, can this work? But that's why, like, again, I like said this to Michelle, I want to seriously say this to you now, like, thank you for doing this work because like, I, I, those narratives are so important, you know, like mm -hmm. I, like, and like, now you're a part of it. Now you're yeah. helping do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, so grateful and thankful and like, uh, like, you know, blessed because like, I just am like so happy to like provide other perspectives. Not that there's anything wrong with the current perspectives mm -hmm. on what it is to be a trans person, but like there's, there's m way more than one way to do that. Yeah. And I think I was made to feel for a long time that that wasn't true. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and like that's why I'm glad to contribute to the proliferation of a more well-rounded and multifaceted and complex and fascinating and a beautiful narrative, mm-hmm. you know, and I hope to be a part of that, I guess. Literally one of the only things I could say in my life with some level of certainty, but I hope to be able to do that and help to do that for the rest of my life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really beautiful place to end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah.